Father, we come before your throne of grace. We worship you. We thank you. We bless you, Lord, because you are a good Father. We thank you, Lord, because you walk in our midst, O oh Lord, and you, you, you speak to us, O oh Lord, and you comfort us, and you meet our every need, O oh Lord. Lord, this evening time, Father, even as your church has gathered together, Father, I pray that your spirit will reveal your word, O oh Master, and it will become rhema to each one of us, O oh Lord. And help us to walk in great authority in these days of, that we are living on the earth, O oh Lord. And help us to walk in great power, O oh Lord. Because your word is living and sharper than any two-edged sword, O oh Master. Father, I pray that revelation will flow freely, O oh Lord. Unhindered by any demonic assignment, O oh Master. And Father, the Holy Spirit will be strong in our midst, O oh Master. Revealing from the scriptures the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ. We give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Last time we had studied about uh, believing the words. Um, uh, we had a good time. Uh, it, was, it was a little bit of a long message, but, we, but uh, the messages are there on the podcast. So you can definitely listen to those. Um, and obviously we didn't cover everything, but the, the important thing was... We studied that the, your history and my history in this world is the history of believing the words of Jesus. Uh, we studied that. It was very interesting. We studied the life of uh, Jacob in Genesis. And, and this is what it says. And we looked at that verse. It says, this is the history of Jacob. And then two or three chapters, it talks about Joseph. That was weird, but it starts by saying this is the history of Jacob because the history of Jacob is what did Jacob do with the words of Joseph? So he, he, he was going by his eyes. He was going by the, the, the tunic or the garments that were stained with blood and he believed Joseph died, right? And he lived his whole life with that sense of he believed his eyes rather than his words that his son had spoken that he will one day be a ruler and he will bow down to him. So that's a typical life story. Your life, like Sushil's life, the history of JR, the history of Alkesh, the history of George, the history of Stanley, the history of Tarun, of Biju. Hey, I can talk about the ladies, right? Marsha, <laughs> everybody. Everybody's history is the history of what did you do with the words of Jesus? That's a history. Did you believe those words? Or you did not believe those words when you were on the earth. That's all is the history. But it's a history of Anil. It's a history of Milu. It's everybody's history. Is what did you do with the words of Jesus? And we said we have to believe the words irrespective of what you see and feel. And that's what we concluded last time. And a very powerful message. And during these times when we, are, we have so much of things thrown at you in the world. In terms of news reports. In terms of what you hear. What are the evil reports that are coming out. It's important that you still see steadfast about God's word and believe that is true over what you see and feel. Okay, I'm going to t continue from there. But the title of the message today is Come See the Man. Come See the Man. Let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 45. We'll take off, uh, we'll continue from where we left off. Genesis for chapter 45. What we studied was when with all the brothers of Joseph, they came back to Egypt. 
They came to Egypt. They now see Joseph as exalted. He is the Pharaoh. He is not dead. He is alive. And this is what he said. Let's go to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45, verse 9 onwards. 45, verse 9 onwards. Okay, let's look at that. So this is what Joseph said. Hurry and go. Hurry and go up to my father. And who is the father out here? Jacob, correct? Hurry and go up to, your, to my father and say to him, Thus says my son, thus says your son Joseph. Now Joseph is Jesus. That he is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ who is now in Egypt but exalted at the father's right hand. So this is Jesus exalted right now in heaven. You, you get the picture? I think we covered that last time. So this is Jesus speaking. This is a pr prototype of Jesus. Hurry, go up and to my father, which is a type of the church, Jacob, right? Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. That means don't delay coming to me. This is what the, this is what the word of the Lord Jesus Christ goes across all the world. It says, come to me. Don't tarry. Why are you waiting? Don't come to me. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. Goshen means nearness. You're going to dwell in the land of nearness. That means you will dwell in very close to me. You shall be near to me. See, he clarifies that. The name Goshen means near. And he says, and you will be near to me. Okay. Did you get this? You shall dwell near to me. You and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. And there I will provide for you lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. So let me ask you a question. Is poverty God's will? No. no. So here's a classic. He says, come near to me lest you come into poverty. I mean, you can't get a more clearer verse which says that God's plan is for you to live close to his son, Jesus, so that you and your household will not come into poverty. You got it? See, his, his desire is always that. Lest you come into poverty, for there are still five years of famine. So, so how can you be not poor in a famine? So the famine is for the world, not for you. So he says, you stay close to me. That means you stay close to Jesus. Next, look at the next verse. And behold your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin. See, now this, I want you to read this verse and mark this verse because you will see something very powerful that this will apply to the Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation. He says, see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. Okay, I want you to mark that. It's saying, see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. Remember we talked about last time the session was believing the words of Jesus. Today the message is, see the man. He's telling, see the voice. Let me ask you this question. Can you see voice? No, no you cannot see voice. You can only hear, hear voice. But this is very unique to the voice of Jesus Christ. His voice you can see. So that's why Joseph uses a very interesting voice. He says, see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. 
That means he wants you to be assured that these are not words of some mere man. It is the words of the exalted Jesus Christ. You got it? The words of Jesus in the New Testament is the words of the exalted Jesus Christ. It is my mouth. So it's very important after you believe the words of the Lord, Jesus Christ, you see him, right? Very important. So that you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen and you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Now this is what we are trying to understand out here. Jesus is very keen that you see him in how he is right now. See, everybody has an idea of how Jesus walked on the earth in Nazareth. He had these long, long robes. Maybe he had a, a beard. Uh, he looked good. But he walked. He has sandals on his feet. There is not much of physical description of Jesus in the New Testament. Have you noticed that in all the Gospels? There is no mention of what's the color of his eyes. There is no mention of how, whether he had long hair or whether he had a beard. There is no mention of how tall he was. There is no mention of uh, what are the other characteristics we look at when we look at a man. Uh, the, the voice that he had, there was no mention of uh, the pitch of his voice. There is no mention about it because the Holy Spirit decided not to put any of those in the New Testament. Because he doesn't want you to know after the natural man who walked in natural Israel. Because he wants you to see his, him right now exalted. But, and it, this totally contrasts with what we see in Revelation. In Revelation, there is very detailed, detailed information about every part of his body. <laughs> That's like weird. I mean, he, on the earth, there is no mention about his characteristics. But in heaven, every part of his body is described to you. You see that thing? Because God wants you to know the glory of the risen Christ because it has an application to you. Say it has an application for me. I'll tell you why and we'll talk about it. So you shall tell your father of my glory in Egypt and all that you have seen and you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Okay, next verse. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. Which is, Benjamin is a picture of the church. Ben Yamin means Ben means son. Yamin means right hand. So Ben Yamin, son of my right hand. Where is the church seated right now? At his right hand. So you are the Ben Yamin. So he, he is very close to you. Very close to you, like almost next to your neck. You cannot be more closer than to somebody's neck. JR, what do you think? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you cannot. You cannot be more closer. That's the closest you can be. So Jesus is so close to the church right now. You are Benjamin. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with them. Now listen to this. The report of this went was heard in... Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh is a type of the Lord, the Father God. He said, Joseph's brothers have come. Remember, the church is the brother or the son of Jesus Christ? Brother. The brother. He is the eldest brother. We are the younger one, always. And the older serves the younger. That's a picture, right? And we are of his, his, 
his, his family. So we are called sons of the father, but the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, because he was the firstborn, we followed after him. Correct? So he, he came in first, then we were all raised up together with him. So he came out first, then we all followed him. Just like uh, when I, I, Esau and Jacob was born. Who came out first? Esau came out. And what was uh, Jacob doing? He came out holding the feet of Esau. So he came in and he's trusting in the strength of this elder brother, which is a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the church. The church came out almost the same time as when Jesus came out. That's interesting. When he was raised, we were raised along with him. But we came holding his feet. (laughs) That's how it is. So, but he came out first because he's the firstborn. God always wanted him to be the firstborn, but he gives you all the benefits of being born along with him, but without the responsibility. <laughs> that is so good. He gives you the benefit, but not the responsibility. How many of you like benefits without responsibilities? <laughs> we all love that. And that's the plan, right? We want the benefits of the firstborn, but without the responsibility of the firstborn. Because the firstborn will have to serve the younger. Because that was what God, uh, Isaac had prophesied over Esau. He said, you will serve the younger. I was like, I'll take that deal. I'll take Jesus' deal. So, but when the Pharaoh heard that Joseph's brothers had come, it pleased Pharaoh. See, the father is very happy when Joseph's brothers come to Joseph. That's a beautiful picture. Remember, everything about the Bible is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Next, next verse. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to the brothers. This is what the, the Father God is telling Jesus. The Father God is now telling Jesus, tell the church. Repeat after me. Tell the church. Tell the church. Do this. Do this. So if... If the Father God is telling you something very specific, he's telling, tell the church, he's telling Jesus, tell the church, do this. He says, what? Do what? Say, do this. this. Now, let's see what is the do that, you know, we have been taught in the churches and religious institutions and teachers and all, all the doing for the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Oh, we should do this and we should do that and we should serve him with all our heart and all our soul. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's see what the Pharaoh is telling Joseph. Say to your brothers, do this. What is this? Do this. Look at this. Load your animals and depart. Go to the land of Canaan. Why? Bring your father and your household and come to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you will eat the fat of the land that's so good if there is one thing that God the father wants you to do because of what Jesus did is what eat the fat of the land land or load it up (laughs) he's saying load it up what are you waiting my son is king of all of Egypt bring what you want bring all the vessels that you can gather because I, he'll fill it up for you. I mean, you ha- we have to start renewing our minds that God wants you to eat the fat of the land because the hard work has already been done by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the father wants, do this. 
load it up. Now he says, now, now repeat after me, you are commanded. <laughs> I love the commandments of the Father God in this new covenant. Say, you are commanded. What is the command? Take carts out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives. Bring your father and come. And do not be concerned about your goods. For the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. So you are commanded to enjoy the best of the land of Egypt. Amen? Do you agree with that? Now, do you believe that th these are words of the risen Christ, the, the Father God, very clearly out here? Okay. Then the sons of Israel did so. They obeyed the command. So the commandments of the New Testament are commandments of plundering the enemy. Now, listen to me very carefully. The commandments in the Old Covenant was commandments to prove your righteousness. The commandments in the new covenant is commandments to plunder your spoil of the enemy. Because your elder son has inherited the land. So there are two commandments. The commandments of the old covenant was commandments like, hey, you shall honor the father, you shall uh, have no other gods before me. That was because you were not righteous. And God was saying, you need a savior. But now after they have got into Canaan, your job is what? Go and tread the land, possess the land, receive the inheritance, because now that's the command. Now the commandments have changed in the new covenant. You got this picture? Do this. Do this. You are commanded to prosper. I know that sounds so crazy, but it's almost like God the Father has commanded you to prosper. Because the work has already been finished, but he wants you to dispossess the enemies because it has already been victorious and the plunder the spoil okay so there you go the sons of israel did so we are the sons of israel and joseph gave them cards according to the command of pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey he gave to them each one changes of garments which is again a picture of righteousness of the lord jesus christ your garments that you have right now is not you bought it's not that you you wove like Adam and Eve they stitch together clothes these are garments that have been given to you so you have been clothed with this righteousness he gives you but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and 5 changes of garments so what <laughs> this is so beautiful 5 is a picture of grace. grace so he says if you wear out one garment of righteousness what does he do that with to you He gives you one more garment of righteousness. You wear out that other garment of righteousness, what, what does he do to you? He gives you one more. He wears out that one, what does he give to you? One more. That means you will never run out of the garments of righteousness from the Lord Jesus Christ. That means you can never mess up your standing with the Lord. You will never mess up because it's five. Five is a picture of grace. He constantly keeps replenishing grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. That means you, oh, even if you blow up, oh, you, you became angry with your spouse. Oh, you messed up. You should have not say, said that to your boss. So now are you under condemnation? No. You're like, hey, I have five garments. 
I put on a new garment. Again, the garment of righteousness. I have, there is no sickness cannot come on me because you cannot say that I sinned. You cannot say that to the sons of Israel. You sinned because your garments are always there. You have changes of garments. Very powerful. And he sent to his father these things. Ten donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt. And ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, food for the father. And he sent his brothers away and they departed. And he said, now this interesting. Can everybody read this verse 24? Genesis chapter 45 verse 24. He sent his brothers away. This is Joseph sending his brothers away. This is the Lord Jesus sending the church. As they departed and he said to them, see that you don't become troubled along the way. <laughs> While he is seated in heaven, you are here on the earth. His only instruction is, don't be troubled on the way. Because I have provided for you. Don't be troubled. Don't be troubled along the way. Don't be anxious concerning anything. Philippians chapter 4. Don't worry. Don't be troubled. I have I've got this covered. I'll take care of you. Just see this. You do this one. Repeat after me. This one thing. I am supposed to do. I will not be troubled. This is one thing. That's the only responsibility. Just one thing. Just do. Don't be troubled along the way. Because you are, you are in this way of this journey. But you are on Canaan, Canaan land. Right? Joseph is in heaven. But you are on Canaan. But while you are in Canaan, don't be troubled concerning anything. Just be just make, Just decide for yourself. Whatever comes, I am not going to be troubled. Because my, my eldest brother is ruler of all of Egypt. He, he reigns. So I don't need to be troubled. Okay? Then they went up from Egypt and came to the land of Canaan, to J Jacob their uh, uh, father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive. And he's governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. Same problem, right? Jacob has a history. He cannot believe words. And we talked about it. And, God, and he's not able to believe the words of Joseph. That is the problem, right? You cannot be saved. You cannot receive your miracle unless you believe his words, Joseph's words. But look at this. The transition happens here. When they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. That's called born again. Their spirit revived. He just becomes born again. Why? Because he believed the words. See, how do you become born again? You become born again by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. He believed the words, immediately he was born again. His spirit revived. Because remember, this is a picture of what really happens in the new covenant. And look at what Joseph said. Then Israel said, it is enough. See, now he's not waiting to see Joseph. But he is now, now he knows that Joseph is alive. Joseph, my son, is alive. I will go and see him before I die. So we talked about that you have to believe the words of Jesus Christ. What follows believing him? According to this verse, you are born again, but you believe the words. What follows it? 
go and see him. You see, the next natural response is after you believe the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, what do you want to do? You want to see him. You want to see Jesus, right? Okay, let's go to Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Okay, let's look at verse, uh, okay, let's do verse 12. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in you an evil heart of unbelief. Just like Jacob. Just watch, watch for yourself that you don't have an evil heart that doesn't believe the words of Jesus Christ. In, in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily, while it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of riches, of sin, for we have become partakers of Christ. Now, this is the verse I want you to think about. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. How do, uh, This might sound a little rich in terms of uh, churchy language, but all it means is, like, for example, if you're standing in faith, let's say for a job, you want to partake of the prosperity of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're believing for that, correct? So he's saying, if you want to partake of what Jesus is, let me ask you, is Jesus fully supplied, has every need, all sufficient at this point of time in heaven? Yes. So he said, if you want to partake of that same prosperity, hold fast your confidence in his word, steadfast to the end. That means while you're waiting for your miracle to manifest, hold fast to the word. So if you want to partake, like for example, if you want to partake healing, right? You're waiting on healing for something. So you believe, do you believe that Jesus at the father's right hand is fully healed? Yes. yes. Has, has he any, any problems in his body? No. no. So do you want to partake of the same health that Jesus has right now in heaven? Yes. yes. How do I partake of it? He says, hold fast your believing in his word, steadfast till the end. When does the end happen? When your miracle manifests. So he says, don't stop, don't waver while you, what you start the confidence in the word, don't hold it till the end. Hold it till the end. Okay, next look at the next verse. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 1 to 16. And we'll go through this very quickly. It says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not mixed with faith in those who heard it. See, the same gospel that you hear was also preached to the Israelites. It was preached to Jacob. It was preached to Abraham. It was preached to Moses. It was preached to all the people. But he says, for some of them, it did not profit them. Like, for example, if a word of healing that you're standing for does not profit you, that means it has not manifested for you. He says, it is only one reason. It was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. You see, for the word to profit, you have to believe it. You got the point? So there is nothing more to it. 
for the word to profit, you have to mix faith with it. That means you have to believe that word. Okay, let's look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. verse Hebrews chapter 4 verse 3. For we who have believed. Now he's talking about a, a people who have believed the word. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So everything that you need for your life right now on the earth is already finished before the foundation of the world. Like your healing has already been purchased before the foundation of the world. Your Job has already been purchased before the foundation of the world. Everything has been purchased before the foundation of the world. But for you to enter it and receive it, you have to believe the words. Uh, uh, Sushil and I was chatting the other day and this is very powerful. God lives outside time. Correct? But God created time. Once he created time, man... When man fell, he became, he became a bondage to time. Everything takes time. But God had finished all the works before the foundation of the world. So time is also a result of the fall of man within the, within, because you are captive to it. If you want to escape this dimension of time, you have to be like God is outside of time. For him, when he speaks, it is done. But for, for the natural man, when, when he has to see, there is a sequence period of time, oh, it will take about four days for this to happen. Oh, you got, a, you, got, you, got, you got this virus, it typically takes about seven days for you to recover. You got it? Everything has a natural time. Oh, oh you, need, you need to pay off your house. Oh, you cannot just pay off like this because your monthly salary is only so much. Uh, then multiply by 12, then you can only get so much, and after that it will be multiplied by 30, and then you can pay off your mortgage. You see, we are always bondage to time, but not God. Not when Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. When he said, be healed, it bypassed all natural law of time. The moment they believed, they received. Like for example, when the nobleman uh, came from Cana, right? He called for Jesus to come and lay his hands on his son uh, who, who was sick. Jesus said, go your way, your son is healed. He took 24 hours to get to his house. And when he reached there, his son was already healed. He asked the servants, at what hour was my son healed? He said, the same hour in which he believed. See, that means he completely bypassed time. See, because now he's no longer a bondage of time. See, time is an effect of the fall of man. Because now he became a slave to time. Everything takes time. See, that is a, a mind of a fallen man. But for a man who is a new creation in Christ Jesus, he operates like God operates. When you believe is when it is done. I'm trying to get you to start renewing your mind. So you don't thank God after time has passed. You, when do you thank God that your prayers are answered? When you, when, you first prayed. when you first prayed and you first believed. So I'm telling you, you start practicing this. Like for example, you're, you're praying for something. Don't wait to give thanks till it manifests. Because now you're trying to say, I'm going to be bondage to time. God says, no, the works are finished. Let me tell you a secret. It's very hard to backdate contracts 
in real life. Correct? No. Correct? Correct? But you can backdate everything in Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Like when you pray for something, backdate it. I was healed two months back. You backdate everything. Like your prosperity, backdate it legally. And God will not hold an offense to you. He will not. Backdate your stuff. Backdate your prosperity. Why should you be bondage to time if the works were finished from the foundation of the world? Let me ask you a question. When Israel was in bondage in Egypt, who was building their inheritance? The giants. <laughs> so when, when Israel was in bondage, God was using labor, giant labor, to build their houses. Correct? So when they walked into Canaan land, was the work finished? Yes. Correct. So what they had to do? Just possess it. Did they have to wait for those big houses to be built? No. No, because they had bypassed time completely. See, that's what God does. The works have been finished before the foundation of the world. You are pre-Adam. Say, I'm pre-Adam. Because remember, you were created now pre-Adam. You were created like Jesus is created. If he was the firstborn, you are the firstborn. Correct? You are seated. You are in him. Remember, the New Testament is a mystery. The mystery was revealed by Paul, by the Holy Spirit through Paul. He said, Jesus said to the disciples, I, ha- I want to say a lot of things to you, but you cannot bear it. If I tell you all this rights that you have, this authority that you have, oh, you know, this is so beautiful. Uh, today I was reading this in Acts chapter 1. You know, Jesus was 40 days on the earth after his resurrection. Right? You know, what was he doing 40 days? What was he doing 40 days? What's that? Teaching them about the kingdom. Correct. You go and look at it. Go to, uh, can somebody read Acts chapter 1? Acts chapter 1. This is powerful. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. To whom he presented himself alive after after his suffering by many unmistakable, infallible proofs being seen by them during those 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This is the resurrected Jesus. Now he's giving them complete mysteries of the authority of the kingdom of God. Remember now he's a resurrected king. His kingdom is way above the earth. He's saying, this is your authority. All this is yours right now. And they couldn't bear it. They couldn't understand it because the Holy Spirit was not given to them yet. So this is here. You have received a kingdom. Okay. Let's look at the next verse. Verse uh, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9. Therefore there remains a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has also himself ceased from his works as God did from his. Let me ask you a question. For God... Has all his works been finished? 
Okay, what were his works? His works was the salvation of the world. Is not correct? So that means your salvation was finished. Your healing was finished. Your prosperity was finished. Your victory was finished. Your relationship issues was finished. That means his works was really your works. He was very self-sufficient in heaven before he created man. So it was all, all the works that he did was works for your benefit. So he did that works, but he sees from that works. So he says, verse 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Same example of disobedience. Disobedience out here means disobeying in terms of believing the word. You make sense? Because it's the same context of believing the word. How do I know that? Look at the next verse. We, have, we always take this verse out of context. But this is in context of the fact that you have to believe the word. He says, if you believe the word, what, what will the word do for you? For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart and there is no creature hidden from his sight but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Okay, let me break it down. I, you have heard this verse, right? You have heard this verse as a standalone verse, that word of God is a living, powerful, two-edged sword, dividing even asunder of the soul and the spirit, and as a joints and marrow, as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. But hold on, hold on, hold on. The context is, lest, the previous verse, lest therefore be diligent to enter that rest, that means your victory, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience, that means the same example of unbelief. Unbelief in what? Let me ask you a question. And if you can mute your mic, tell me. Unbelief in what? Entering this rest. No. You cannot enter the rest unless you believe. Believe what? The words. The words. words. You got it? See, he, the context of the whole chapter of Hebrews chapter 4 is the people, the gospel was preached to the Israelites. The gospel was preached to you. They did not believe it. Therefore, they couldn't enter it. You believe the gospel, the words, you entered in, correct? So he says, you be careful that for everything that you need for life, you have to believe the words. Because, because, and he says this. The next verse, for the word of God is living. That means when you believe this word, this word is working for you. That's the context. It's connected. When you believe the word, the word is working for you. How, how powerful is it working for you? It's sharper. It's sharper. It will cut. It will cut. It will cut. And what you say is God's will for me because you are not seeing it with your, my, your eyes. Like, oh, God says, oh, I, I want to, like, let me give an example of a job. God, God, you are believing for a six-figure job. But the offers that you're getting are half of it. So then you convince yourself. Your spirit is saying, no, a six-figure job. But what you're seeing with your eyes is a five-figure job. 
Correct? So when you don't see, your word says you will prosper and you'll inherit the giant's houses. But you are seeing very, very small compared to that. Correct? So after some time, what do you do? You have to decide, do I believe the words or do I believe what I see or what I hear? So what you, what you do is you say, this is God's will for me that I should have this during this season of my life. Now, what did you do? You combined the soul and the spirit in unbelief. You got it? So your spirit was saying a six-figure job, but your soul is, soul is what your thoughts are, your imaginations, what you feel, your touchy-feely. You're like an animal, right? Like, I feel good, I feel bad. So now you now you say, oh, but this is what. But, the, but if you believe the word, the word goes to work for you. It will divide the soul and the spirit. And will say, no, 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 no. This is not your inheritance. This is your inheritance. And he divides and shows you very clearly the, this job is your inheritance. This is not. And it works for you and brings it to account. That is why the next verse says, there is no creature hidden in his sight. Hidden in whose sight? No. <laughs> the word sight. That means everything that you're standing for has to give an account to the word. Say you have to give an account to the word. That means if you're standing for healing, your disease has to give an account to the word. Because now you're believing the word and your disease has to obey the word. Because no creature, no thing. And I'm sorry I'm shouting right now. <laughs> But because it's so serious, the word is living and powerful. Once you believe it, everything has to obey the word. Your house has to obey the word. Your mortgage has to obey the word. Your healing has to obey the word. It has to obey because everything has to give account to the word. Do you get it? You have to it has to, but for you to do, it says you have to believe that Joseph is living. See, for the problem with Jacob was what? Joseph is dead. But the moment he believed that Joseph is living, who is Joseph? He is Jesus, but he is also called the word of God. See, it is Jesus, but it's also the word of God. That means Jesus is the word. His words that come out of it. That's why he said, see that it is my mouth that is speaking these words. He told the brothers, tell Jacob that it is my mouth that is speaking this word. That means come to Egypt. I will take care of you. Tell him that it is my mouth that is speaking you. So Jesus in heaven is telling you and I, don't settle for less. Don't settle for what your soul is telling. Let Believe my word for you and for your life. And believe it. And let the word work on your behalf. And bring what you are standing for into account to that word. Do you get, do you getting, are you getting it? The responsibility of causing the things to happen is the word's responsibility. Not yours. Your responsibility is just to believe the word. And hold fast your confidence steadfast to the end. You see the thing? Okay. Then look at, let's look at next verse. Seeing then, we have a great high priest. 
So what is the next transition from believing Jesus? Seeing Jesus. You see? Just like Jacob said, now that I know that Joseph is alive, let me go and see him. While you're standing for your victory, see him. How? You see him that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. You can't, you can't, you can't deny the importance of holding fast to the word. To help you hold fast to the word, what does Jesus offer you? No, that's what, he offers you the word, but you have a problem trying to hold fast to it. So what does this verse indicate that he gives you for you to hold fast to the word? The privilege of confession. No, that's what you speak. That is the word. What's that? He, he gives you a revelation of who he is. See, it says seeing then. See, the problem is when you, when you waver because you're, it doesn't manifest, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to see him. See him. Not the natural Jesus. Not the blonde Jesus. I don't know if he was blonde. He had black hair on the earth. And his pictures, not that Jesus, the exalted Jesus. See him now as a father's right hand. He's the high priest. When you see him, you can hold fast to the word. You got it? So see him. After you, uh, uh, I have to make this point. After you hear the word, you have to see Jesus. Say see Jesus. Because when you see Jesus exalted, you will hold fast to what you are believing for. Amen? Okay. Because he says, we have a high priest that who cannot sympathize. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. What weakness? The weakness to waver when we are holding fast. But was at all points tempted as we were yet without sin. Let, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. When you come boldly through the throne of grace, what are you doing? When you come before a throne, what are you doing? Motion. Correct. But what is the primary thing you're doing? You are seeing him. <laughs> you, that's the most important thing. When you come before a throne, you, do you go before a throne with your clo eyes closed? No, you're taking in all the glory and the majesty. Why do tourists go to the palace in Versailles? There is no king there. But why do they go there? They go into the throne room because they are looking at the royalty. They, do you go to the palace in uh, Versailles with your eyes closed? No, you're taking it in. You're trying to see the glory of the palace, correct? So when you go before the throne, you're going with your eyes open. You're seeing the exalted Jesus seated at the Father's right hand. Brothers and sisters, you are not serving a carpenter from Nazareth anymore. You are serving an exalted God who is seated at the right hand of Father and far above every principality, and you are seated with him, and you go into the very throne room of God with your eyes open and not afraid to be burnt up. That's the power. So when you walk into the throne room and you see his glory and you see his majesty, and when you come back, 
You believe the words. You know because whose mouth spoke it. For because when you go into the throne room, you saw what? You saw the mouth who spoke the words which your ears heard on the earth. See, there's a difference when you get an email. And there's a difference when you walk into the very throne room and heard the words from the person who's sitting on the throne. Is there a difference? What is the difference? What's the difference? What else? What's that? Tangible. Tangible. What else? More real, more authority, right? I mean, rather than somebody just send you a spam email, I have, I'm a multi-billionaire, I'm from Nigeria, and you, you know, and I have to transfer, you know, do you believe those words? No. But what if you were ushered into the very presence of the president of Nigeria, and he says those words? Now, you will open a bank account, right? Because, because in me, you it value the words that come because you saw the mouth that spoke. Say, I saw the mouth that spoke. Okay, are you excited? And let me show you something. Are you excited? Let's go to Revelation chapter one. See what what was what was Jesus very concerned? Why was Revelation the book of Revelation given? Now that you understand the context, it was given primarily for you, for you to have help, for you to hold fast to your confession. He wants to show you the mouth that spoke what you hear. Okay, let's read it. The revelation of whom? Of the Antichrist? Of the of, uh, beast? Of the false prophet? Of the persecuted church? Of the tribulation? Of the wrath that is going to come on the earth? What is this revelation? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Which who, who gave this revelation? God the Father. It's like Pharaoh giving the brothers a revelation of how great Joseph is. See, when Joseph said those words that you're all going to come and bow down to me, he spoke it when he was just a kid running around with the sheep. But it was whose words? No. <laughs> okay. When you're talking about Joseph. Joseph's words. But did they value his words? No. But when Pharaoh exalted Joseph and made him sit at his right hand, the same words, did the brothers believe? Yes. yes. What happened? Because the brothers saw the exalted Joseph. Do you get this picture? So the Father God is now doing the same thing for you. He's saying, let me give this church. Let me give George. Let me give Jotsna. Let me show them how who, the, the person who was telling you what your inheritance is. He says, revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must shortly take place. What things? Your inheritance in the land in which you live. Correct? 
It's not the end of the world. He's saying, let me tell you the inheritance that God is going to give you shortly. Things that, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Do you see this picture? All things that he saw. Okay. Let's look at, so let's look at verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, now this is Jesus. This is Jesus. His words are coming first. Just like when you believed, you believed his words first. You didn't see him, correct? You believed his words. You heard a voice. You believed the words. This was the words. He said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What you see, again, look at the words. What you see, because now they already had the words of Jesus Christ, but they did not have a revelation of who he is, the exalted Jesus. They didn't have a revelation. So God the Father is right giving this for for uh, to John to see how glorified Jesus is. So he says, what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. And let's look at this next verse. Then I turned, what does it say? To see. Then I turned to see the voice. Can you see a voice? Very interesting. Does this match exactly what Joseph said to his brothers? See the mouth that is speaking to you? So Jesus is saying, I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. Sorry, John is, and I turned. Then John said, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, what did he see? He saw the menorah. He saw menorah. A menorah is the temple lampstand. You know the temple lampstand was made of which tree? It, it, it was shaped, it was made of pure gold, but it was, it was, it has a type of which tree? Almonds, correct? It was almond tree, the, therefore the lamps were budded almonds, correct? And the stems were like the uh, stem of an almond tree. So it, an almond rod is what the menorah was. It was all one big almond rod. So John sees the same menorah. And having turned, I saw 11 golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstand, one like the son of man, clothed with a garment. Now he's starting very detail about Jesus. Why? Because when you see Jesus, you see what? I agree. <laughs> you see the menorah. But when you see Jesus, you see what? You, you see yourself in it. You see the seven golden, the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And Jesus is walking in the midst of the lampstand. So when you see Jesus, you see yourself in Jesus. So when you see gold, you are seeing yourself gold. You are righteous like Jesus. When you see lamps lit, you are seeing you being lit. 
So he is the center lampstand and you are the seven branches that come out of Jesus. Make sense? So when you see Jesus exalted, you are seeing yourself there. Look at this. In the midst of the seven lampstand, one like the son of man, clothed with a gar- clothed with a garment down to the feet. The first time Ad- God was walked with Adam, what was Adam doing? Adam was running away. And what was his biggest concern? He was afraid of his nakedness. And he, was a, he had no clothes. So the first important characteristic that God gives of himself when John sees him, Jesus, is that he is clothed. So because if Jesus is clothed with a garment down to the feet, what does it talk about you? We are clothed. So he's saying you are clothed and girded about with a chest with a golden band. His head and hair was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet was like fine brass as it refined on a furnace, and his voice was as a sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars that went uh, out of his mouth, went a sharp two-edged sword, again word, and his countenance was like the sun shining in his strength. When I saw it, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of hates and death. Write the things that you have seen and the things that are and the things that will take place that after this. What are the things that are? This is how you are. So he's telling John, Jesus is telling John, If you see me clothed, you are clothed. You, if you see me in gold, you are in gold. If you see me with stars, that you are in my hand. If you see me with seven fires, the seven spirits of God, you have the same spirit. If I was dead and alive forevermore, you were dead and alive forevermore. So don't be afraid. Look at me. You, you look just like me. You know, Kim Clement was a prophet uh, in our generation. He died, I think, when? Uh, in about about three years back, uh, about three years back, right? Almost, I think about three years back. He was he had amazing prophecies. He prophesied about Trump. He tra- prophesied about the country, uh, the times that we are living in. A lot of things. It's amazing. Even even the Supreme Court justice that is happening right now. He prophesied about that. I mean, amazing prophecies. And it's almost like he finished all his prophecies and God just took him by saying like, no more need to. Prophesy, right? It's almost like that. He's finished all his prophecies, right? But but he what he 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 used to sing a song, and I love this. He used to say, "I'm somewhere in the future, and I look much better than I look right now. I'm somewhere in the future, and I look much better than I look right now." This is what Jesus is showing John. He's saying, "I am your future. I look much better." Then you look right now. But if you look at me, you will know how you look. Make sense? So don't look at what your natural self is. Look at Jesus. He is righteous, you are righteous. He is clothed, you are clothed. He is healed, you are healed. He has the spirit of wisdom, you have the spirit of wisdom. He is prosperous, you are prosperous. Why? And look at Jesus' words. Jesus' words are so beautiful. Look at his next words. 
He says, of all the things about his attire, he knows that the church understood every part of it. But the church did not obviously understand the mystery of the seven stars in his right hand. Okay? Do you understand it? Like the robes, everybody knew it's the righteousness of the saints. Uh, his, his, uh, the two-edged sword out of his mouth, everybody knew that is his words. But there was a mystery about what are the seven stars in his right hand. What does he say? The seven stars in the right hand and the seven golden lampstand. Because that's not evident. What is the meaning of it? So Jesus says what? The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. That means the church. The messengers of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. That means where are we in the body of Jesus Christ? Where are we? Oh, in, in the attire, in the whole anat anatomy of Jesus Christ, of the exalted Jesus Christ, where are we right now? In his hand. In his right hand. Nobody can take you out from, my, from his hand. Nobody. So he's saying, you are in his right hand. And he says this verse, I think, in John chapter 6 or 7 or 10. I think one of those chapters where he talks, Father has given them to me and no one can snatch them out of my hand. That means you are in his right hand. You are in his right hand. And he says, you are the seven golden lampstands. Say golden. golden. See, so you are just not a lampstand. You are a golden lampstand. That means you are perfectly righteous. And he is the center lampstand. And all the lamp, all the six lampstand, the six branches come out of the side of the center lampstand. Where did the church come out of? The side of Christ. The side of Jesus. When they pierced him after he was crucified, after he had finished the work, the church came out. So the, 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 the six branches, they come out of the center lampstand. So the church comes out of the same material, the same intrinsic nature of Jesus himself. So if you see this lampstand, you see well. Say, I see well. I see well. Okay, I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter 1. And uh, we'll bring it to a close. There are a lot of stuff. I think we'll have to split it up into two. So, but I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Everybody there? Jeremiah chapter 1. This will completely revolutionize your faith walk. Jeremiah chapter 1. Verse 1. Right. So, um, tra uh, track with me right now. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilakiah, of the priest who are in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, which is the church. Benjamin is a picture of the right hand of the father, Benjamin. So he dwells, he's a priest, correct? So we are priests living in the land of Benjamin, right? Benjamin inherits the five garments, correct? We have the 300 silver coins, which is a type of redemption. So we are this. So we are Jeremiah. Jeremiah Je means God lays a foundation. God throws a foundation. So you are the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
he's you are built on that cornerstone so you are that jeremiah you are a priest you live in the land of benjamin so you live in a rich place amen look at the next verse the word of the lord came in the days of josiah the son of ammon king of judah in the 13th year of his reign okay let's move forward then the word of the lord came to me saying before i formed you in the womb i knew you before you were born i separated you or sanctified you i ordained you a prophet to the nations okay this is so beautiful and we'll close with this passage so but i want you to track with me here so what came first to jeremiah the word uh, do you see a pattern out here was this word amazing this guy is a young boy he's a teenager very a very young boy and what is the word that has come to him it says before i formed you in the womb i knew you before you were born i sanctified you i ordained you a prophet to the nations he's telling jeremiah you're a prophet these are the times of elijah elisha all the great prophets and he's telling jeremiah you are a prophet he's a young boy what is his response so is this word tremendous yes does it make any sense to his soul no but is it come to his spirit yes so what does he respond look at the next verse ah this is your response typically when the word of god comes to you about any issue in your life ah 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 <laughs> what, do mean, what do you mean ah that's what he jeremiah is saying ah oh what do you what do you mean i'll get a six figure salary what do you mean i'll become a millionaire before the end of the year ah it's like ah lord god behold i cannot speak for i am a youth so let me ask you this is is what he's saying true yes yes but does it matter yes. no because what is working when he believes the word the word and what will this word do if he believes the word it will make him a prophet despite being a youth despite not being able to speak it will make him a prophet say if i believe the word the word will work for me and cause to come to pass what the word says so what is jeremiah's responsibility at this point of time believe believe so you see a pattern the word is crazy reality is totally different his response is ah it's like ah so so what does god but the lord says this is the lord jesus speaking to him the when whenever the word capitalizes l o r d it is the lord jesus this is jesus but the lord said to me said to me do not say that means what let me ask you what about hebrews chapter 4 is the lord jesus telling jeremiah right now do not say that means hold fast 
your confession. Do not change your confession. That means what is Jeremiah supposed to say when the words say that you are a prophet? What is Jeremiah supposed to say? I am a prophet. Doesn't make any sense. But he'll say, but it will take time to make become a prophet. No. The word is the one who will cause you to become a prophet. Not you, who have to go under training to become a prophet. No. It is the word that makes you a prophet. Not you. Not your training. You see, you have to bypass this whole dimension and believe the word. Do not say. Say, do not say. So when you get a word from the Lord, you should know that you should not say. It's not more about what you say. It is more about what you should not say. Do not say what you see with your eyes. Do not say what you hear with your ears. Do not say what you feel in your feelings. Do not say it. Brothers and sisters, if you want your victory, do not say what your soul is trying to tell you. I, I want to be very more intense to you. Do not say. He is supposed to say that I am a prophet. But more important than that. He is not supposed to say that I am a youth. You get the picture? So what you say is what robs you of your inheritance that walks in. Why did the Israelites wander 40 years in the wilderness? Because they said that we are small and as grasshoppers. If they had not even said that, they had still a potential to get into the promised land. But because they said that we are not able to overcome, they could not get in. Though the word was sharper than a two-edged sword working on their behalf. But they said the wrong things. And I was telling somebody yesterday... And I'm saying, see, Satan today, and I want you to hear this very closely. Guys, I want you to hear this very closely. Satan cannot bring the curses of the book of the law against you as a believer. Then how does he still bring sickness and disease and poverty on you? By your words. See, because now he operates under the new covenant law. The new covenant law is what you believe and what you speak will come to pass. Let me repeat again. Satan cannot bring the curses of the book of the law for a believer. But yet, when things happen to you, he's operating by the power of you being troubled and confessing words that you're not supposed to. That is why Joseph's only instruction to the brothers was what? Do not be troubled on the way. And start speaking yourself out of your inheritance that I have promised you in the earth, in Egypt. So guess what? They are going back from the presence of Joseph. They are traveling to Canaan. And while they are going, what are they discussing? Oh, we should have not put him in the pit. Oh, Joseph, I'm pretty sure he's, this is just a trick for him to get back to us. He's going to ultimately suffer, kill us, or he's going to punish us. So they are harboring and the more and more they meditate. They are more and more meditating that this Jesus does not have the good for them. 
and a lot of the believers they walk out of their inheritance from the presence of the throne room because they have convinced themselves that god does not have good plan for them in the throne room they believe it but when they were walking out they convinced by talking up among themselves that god does not want you to have that inheritance you see don't be troubled along the way and talk yourself up out of this inheritance that god has promised you correct stay in the throne room look that joseph is exalted you saw the mouth that spoke john saw the mouth that spoke okay look at it jesus said do not be afraid of their faces for i am with you to deliver you that means jesus is in the midst of the lampstand then the lord put his hand and touched my mouth and the lord said to me behold i have put my words in your mouth what is critical for you to manifest your miracle what is critical words words in your mouth say words in my mouth words in my mouth will bring your miracle i am telling you if you want your season to change change the words in your mouth let me repeat if you want your season to change change the words in your mouth 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 don't say the words that line up with your soul say the words that line up with your spirit say the words if you want a change in your season change your words if you want to change your season, I, i don't know why the lord is making me repeat it if you want to change your season change your words look at what he says look at the power and the authority what do you think jesus was speaking to the disciples 40 days after he was resurrected i believe some of this he's telling them see i've set this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out to pull down to destroy to throw down to build and to plant how so so what he's saying is i'm giving you authority to root out kingdoms and to pull down kingdoms to destroy and to throw down to build and to plant he is giving him authority over kingdoms with no army no people following him nothing what is he going to use to do that george words words how Th- words that he meditates on thinks about or or speaks speaks he is supposed to use words to and you know what jeremiah did jeremiah exactly did this history proves that nations changed world empires changed in the middle east because of a young boy who spoke babylonians came from the north can you believe a guy has no power apart from words spoken in his mouth daniel when he was in captivity he said according to the words spoken by jeremiah 70 years have to pass he is quoting a young boy jeremiah my goodness the great babylonian empire could not hold back his inheritance because jeremiah prophesied that so many years the land will be desolate after that it will be returned words spoken 
What will these words do to you in your life? You are a kingdom person. You have words that the exalted Jesus has given you. So when you see disease in your children, what do you do with that? Use words to cast them out. If you see problems with your child's education, what do you do with it? Use words to build it up. How do you increase grades? Use words. Command grades to increase in Jesus' name. If you want jobs, how do you get jobs? You command jobs to come to you. How do you get your mortgage paid off? Speak to mortgages in Jesus' name because every creature has to give account to the word of God. But words not spoken in heaven, but words spoken in your mouth on the earth. You got it? You got it? Okay. Say moreover. Say moreover. moreover. See, it's, it's difficult to say these words unless you know the mouth that spoke to you. Agreed? Jesus, and the Lord Jesus knows this. So what does he do to Jeremiah? He says, moreover. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? <laughs> say, say, Jeremiah needs help. Why? What does he need the help for? If you get this, you got the message. The sight, what he sees. No, 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 no. Let me, uh, let me ask you this question. What does Jeremiah need help for? Speak words to speak. Yeah, he needs help to speak. But what does he need help here for? To believe. To believe these words. He needs help because he doesn't believe these words. So Lord says, okay, I got that problem because this is a universal problem. You don't, it's just like when the young guy, Joseph, was telling his brothers, you're all going to bow down before me. So they need help to believe. So they had to see Joseph exalted. So God, Jesus says, does the same thing. He says, Jeremiah, what do you see? And what does Jeremiah see? So what did he see? He saw, he saw the menorah. He saw the almond branch with John saw. He saw the same rod that everybody saw. Moses used the same rod to win his victories over Israel of Egypt. He used a rod. Remember? What was that rod? It was a rod that became a serpent. Which was the rod that became a serpent? It was the Lord Jesus Christ who became sin for you. And when he took the serpent, it became a rod again. Because he was resurrected back again as a rod. And he says, use this rod which became a snake and you will rule over Egypt. Why? Because you're taking, you're seeing Jesus. And he used this rod, which is the almond rod, which is the menorah, which is what you are. You are one of the branch of this rod. And the Lord Jesus walks in the midst and he saw a branch of the almond tree, which he saw at the lampstand. He saw what John saw. He, and he says, see this. And, and uh, uh, Jeremiah saw the menorah. And what does the Lord say to him? You have, seen well. you have seen well. When you see Jesus, 
you see well. Okay, I want you to repeat after me. When you see Jesus, you see well. When you see Jesus, you see well. The moment you see Jesus, he is ready to perform the word. Wow! This is what activates the power to work the word. That means when you are standing on word, so like for example, let me give you a very practical example. So you say, you say in Isaiah 53, he's borne our sickness and carried our griefs and by his stripes we are healed. Agreed? Correct? So now you believe the word, you speak with your mouth. Now, now see him in Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 2. Is he exalted and healed and perfect in health? Correct? The moment you see him, now he's ready to perform the word for you. Because when you see him, you see yourself. When you see the menorah, he is, you are in that menorah. You are in that word and you see yourself victorious. Hallelujah. When you see the menorah, the Lord Jesus in the midst of the lampstand, you see well. You see well. And I'm ready to perform the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is so much stuff that I want to talk about. I don't have the time. I want to keep it short today. The Lord is good. I want you to meditate on this verse and uh, visit the scriptures and the lot of verses about seeing Jesus that when you see Jesus, you see him well. So I want you to start meditating on Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 2 and look at who Jesus is. And I will just quote a few lines from that thing. Just to give you a taste, and I want you to go back and read that yourself. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 1, we saw the whole description of Jesus. But Revelation chapter 2, he's writing to every church. He says, to the church of Ephesus, he says, He who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst. So Jesus is walking in your midst. Then Revelation chapter 2 verse 7. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of the garden. So he gives you the right to eat of the tree, the tree of life. That is Jesus himself. Revelation chapter 2 verse 8. To the angel of the church in Smyrna, he says, These things say the first and the last, who was dead and has come to life. So he was dead and come to life. You are dead and come to life. See, what he is, so you are. Then Revelation chapter 2 verse 11. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. That means you will never die again. Amen. Look at, so when you see Jesus, you see yourself. Then he writes to the church in Pergamos. These things say, he who has the sharp two-edged sword, his word is powerful and will cause what you believe to come to pass. Okay. Revelation chapter 2 verse 17. He who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. What is the hidden manna? The word that is spoken from heaven right now. And I will give him a white stone. That means he will never make, call you guilty. And I will give him a new name that no one knows. So he gives you a new name. Okay, Revelation chapter 2 verse 18. These things say the Son of God. 
If he is a son of God, you are a son of God. His eyes are like a flame of fire and his feet is like fine brass. That means he can see everything. So he knows what you need. Nothing is hidden from him. So he will take care of it. His eyes are like fire. Therefore, you don't have to be worried. Does he know about your state? He knows everything. So what he is, is for your benefit. If he has eyes that are fire, it is for your benefit. If his feet are like brass, it is for your benefit. If his words are like two-edged sword, it is for your benefit. If he is clothed from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, it is for your benefit. You see, everything about him is for you. Okay. He says, Revelation chapter 2 verse 26, I will give him power over the nations. I will give him the morning star. Morning star means the star that comes up before the sun rises. Which comes first? The morning star or the sun? Morning star. <laughs> the morning star comes up first. before the, uh, the uh, That is the first star that rises up in the morning. While it's still dark, the morning star comes. Before the sun rises up. What is he saying? To he who overcomes. If you are a believer, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he will cause you to be resurrected before the world suffers the wrath. That means he will give you the rapture. Hallelujah. The morning star is always a picture of the rapture. We are waiting for the morning star. That awakening. We will rise up first. And then when the sun rises up, it will be heat everywhere. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah. When the sun rose, the fire came down on the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. But before that, Abraham was taken up in a high place. It's a picture of the rapture. Always. Okay. Then he told the church in Sardis, he who has the seven spirits of God, seven spirit in Isaiah chapter 11, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of power. So the seven spirits that Jesus has, the seven spirits you have. What he has, you have. And then he says in Revelation chapter 3 verse 4, even in Sardis, even in a dead church, He says, there are some who have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white. That means even in an evil place, he will take care of you. Even in Sardis. Say, even in Sardis. That means even in United States. Even in Saudi Arabia. Even in India. Even in the worst place, he knows how to take care of his children. Even in Sardis. Even in this job. Even in this situation. He knows how to take care of you. So again, for your benefit, they shall walk me with me in white, for they are worthy. They shall be clothed in white garments. I will not blot out their name from the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Then to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, he who is holy, he who is true. He is holy, you are holy. He is true, you are true. He has the key of David, you have the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts, You can open and no one can shut by your words. Okay, then Revelation chapter 3 verse 12. He who overcomes, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of God. So you're a pillar. No one can get you out. Your membership is locked in. You're a pillar, JR. How can they remove you out? The club, you are the pillar in the club. How can they revoke your membership? You, you are in this exclusive club of righteousness. You're a pillar lifetime, here. Lifetime member. You're a lifetime member. <laughs> you cannot be thrown out. 
I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go out no more. I'm sorry. There is no exit for y'all guys. Locked up in this righteousness forever. You get this picture? I will write on him. Oh, look at the registration. Oh my goodness. To the church of Philadelphia, he registers them. He says, okay, I'm going to make you a pillar. That means you're locked in. Okay, more than that, I will write on him the name of my God. Registered. I will write on him the city of my God. Registered. I will write on him the new Jerusalem. Registered. I will write on him my new name. Registered. So many people own you. Registered. 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 He's like, so when you're registered, you receive the benefits of that membership. You have Jesus' name. You have the Father's name. You have the New Jerusalem name. You have the city of my God's name. This is great. And finally, he says to the church of Laodicea, I am the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And he says, I will never lie. I'm telling you, you're righteous. I will never lie to you. I'm telling you, you're healed. I will never lie to you. I'm an Amen and faithful witness. I will never lie. I will never lie. I will never lie. Arun and Masha, I will never lie. If I said a word to you many years back, that word is coming to pass. I never lie. And I'm an Amen and faithful witness. I will never lie. And then he says, to him who overcomes, I will grant. Grant means you don't earn it. I grant to sit with me on my throne. And as I have overcome and sat with me. So I will make you sit on my throne. Not even like before my throne. I will make you sit on my throne. Not in the front of my throne. Not next to my throne. I will make you to sit on my throne. (laughs) So the response to all this will be. Ah. Lord how can this be. But it is so. It is so. This is incredible, these words that Jesus is saying from heaven. But he's not only saying these words, he's shown you the mouth that spoke these words to you. So my question to you is this. Will you believe these words now that you have heard it and now that you see it? Yes. And let the word go to work for you. Let the word go to work for you. If Jeremiah could topple kingdoms, can you? Will every virus that is against you, do you have the authority now? Yes. Yes. Does any situation is hopeless for you right now on the earth? There is no situation hopeless for you because you have the authority right now. Because you have the words that you have to put in your mouth because you have seen the mouth that has spoken those words to you. You have seen the man that spoke it. Hallelujah. It is not a natural man. And I will close with this final verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 16. 
look at this because of what you just heard today from now on say from now on from now on mark this date october 17th 2020 from now on we regard no one according to the flesh we refuse to regard anybody including yourself i regard i do not regard myself according to my flesh i am not looking at this package and deciding whether i am able to do stuff or not i regard no one according to this package i don't look at my pedigree i don't look at what school i came out from i don't look at my education background i don't look at my family background i don't look at the friends i have i don't look at the locality i live in i don't look at whether i live in a gated community or not i don't look at whether i am going to a right school district or not i regard no one including myself according to the flesh because i have seen the voice that spoke the words to me even though we have known christ according to the flesh that means this is paul writing i was alive when jesus walked the earth i know what the disciples talked about him what his height was what his looks was how he spoke but i do not know him thus any longer because i am not going to talk about the 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 jesus of nazareth who walked in israel i am not going to talk about it what am i going to talk about what what will i talk right now i'm going to talk about the revelation 1 and 2 jesus because why if that jesus is that powerful then it says therefore if anyone is in christ that means if that jesus is great and you are in that jesus i am a new creation all things have passed away that means this package that you see does not apply say it does not apply no. does not apply it's not relevant so when the doctor asks you does your father have cancer does heart disease run in your family what should you say does not apply does not apply na does not apply because it applied to the natural anil it applied to the natural george it applied to the natural bobby i do not regard myself now after the natural if anyone is in christ i am in the christ of revelation chapter 1 and revelation chapter 2 i am in that christ and in that christ i am a new creature all things have passed away all things have become new hallelujah do you see the potential when you see jesus the exalted one the resurrected jesus is an exalted jesus hallelujah hallelujah so i want you to meditate on the jesus of revelation chapter 1 and revelation chapter 2 because in jesus when you see jesus you see well and if when you see well god is ready to bring the word to pass and i'm telling you, i'm so excited god is going to release a great word and he's going to release all the healing that you were believing for all the prosperity that was held up because you didn't see yourself in this exalted jesus far above every principality and power
You have to see yourself there. You regard your package no more anymore. I don't care my pedigree, what my skin color is, what I look like. I'm not regarding this package at all. It doesn't matter. I was born with this package. I have escaped this package. I'm out of this package. I'm in Christ Jesus. And those words are going to come to pass for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you for the words you have spoken to us. Thank you, Lord. This evening. Thank you, Lord. We regard those words, Lord. We hear them. We believe them. And not only that, Lord, we see the we see the voice that those words are coming out from. Hallelujah. We see. I'm I'm seeing a I'm seeing an anointing. Brothers and sisters, you are now in the very throne room of the Father God right now. He walks among the lampstands at this point of time. And you are seeing the mouth that spoke these words to you right now. What is impossible for you right now when you are in the throne room of the universe? What is impossible, says the Father? Look at my son. Is he not walking in the midst of the lampstand? What is impossible for him? What is impossible for him? Is not all things possible for him? Is he not the exalted one? Is he not the one who rules over all the earth? Has, have I not given him all the kingdoms of the earth? Have I not promised that I will make all his enemies under his footstool? Have I not? Look at him. Is he panicking? Is he worried? Is he at rest, seated? Is he not glorious? This is my beloved son who has authority over all things, says the father. So say, father, say relax in him. Rest in him. For the word that goes out of his mouth shudders mountains and breaks gates. Iron doors that have been closed against your face. The Lord says, I have broken it this day. And no face can stand you on the earth. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. 